Wednesday evening, listeners, episode 269 of Top Rope Nation and AEW Grand Slam, the special edition of Dynamite from the Arthur Ashe Stadium, just went off the air. It's Ryan Drosty and Kyle Ross here to give you our instant reactions to what we saw with AEW crowning yet again a new world champion, new tag team champions, uh, the big debut of a former WWE star a new Ring of Honor champion, and a whole lot more. Kyle Ross, how are you feeling tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm okay. Based on our discussion that we just had quickly off air, we didn't didn't really talk too much because we wanted to get on time here and, you know, hit this show while it's hot. And uh, usually we start a little late. We actually went, I think, a little early from our scheduled time this time, Kyle. So we're on top of things. And... Um, you're not super high on the show. I'll just tell the listeners that I liked some stuff on the show. There are some things I wasn't a huge fan of. Uh, we're going to, we're going to break it all down probably in fairly condensed form because, you know, look, it was just a two hour television show. This isn't like our pay-per-view post shows where there's a, you know, three to four to five hours of pro wrestling to talk about, but Hey, it's been a little while. You know, we did a show a couple weeks ago, uh, last week, geez, the schedule was crazy for, you and myself, and I haven't even told the listeners this, uh, but Justin has a new member of the family. There's a new Top Rope Nation baby, which is why Justin yeah. Joint has not been on the show. So congrats to he and the wife. Hopefully we'll hear from Justin. I'm sure we'll hear from Justin again real soon. But that is by that is the reason why it's been Kyle, just Kyle and myself, holding down the fort. And, you know, Kyle, I was, I was debating this all night. Was I going to ask you for a grade like we <laughs> normally do? with the uh with the paper all right give me your grade on this one if you had to grade it a through f what would you give aw grand slam part two i mean i couldn't go higher than a c on this show for a show that you know you you laid out everything that happened tonight and going in it had the promise of being a big show i guess but i don't know it didn't feel that big (laughs) To be honest, stuff happened. I, I I don't know what to say, gang. A summer of ambivalence toward AEW is bleeding over to the fall. Promotion where everyone's fighting for titles. There's very little storylines. I know their hands been forced in a lot of occasions. But I'm watching these programs and I'm caring less and less. Don't we really know any be- other way to say it. Yeah. I mean, we got to be objective here. And, you know, with WWE, we've been doing this podcast for over six years. We always would complain about too many titles. And I agree with you. There are too many titles in this promotion right now. Yeah. And it it just makes, you know, the main ones switching. And you did have two of the main ones switching tonight. You know, when you switch something else, one of these 800 titles just, I don't know, cheapens it to my in my opinion. I don't know why the fuck the Ring of Honor title exists, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's taken a while to work out a television 
agreement for I, I just, obviously. I yeah. mean, I guess if that's the goal and they're like, oh, well, look, Chris Jericho, former WWE star is the champion, but are you just going to put Chris Jericho on that? It just, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. I I get why they, so there you go. First match of the night was Claudio Castanoli losing the Ring of Honor title to Jericho. I mean, it was a pretty hot match. The crowd was into it, but you don't really like to see that result. It's one of those things where I understand the result. You know, if they're shopping around ring of honor, trying to get a deal done, Hey, look, here's Chris Jericho. You know, he's this big star going back to the 19 night. That makes sense. I mean, it was largely the same reason why Jericho was the first AEW world champion. You know, we all kind of predicted that at the time, what three and a half years ago or whatever. Uh, so I, I, I get why they did it. I can't say, say that I was thrilled to see Claudio lose to him though, to open the show. No. Um, and again, you know, Jericho here, he was in the world title tournament, loses, and he just goes and wins another world title, just cheapens the tournament, my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just going to be blunt here. The last thing AEW needs is another hour of television, whether it's called Ring of Honor, whether it's called AEW, whether it's called fucking Susan. <laughs> they, they just don't need... To me, you know... What Ring of Honor, since Tony's bought it, has shown is, hey, you can put together some super cards and Tony can make some money. And there's so many people not working on the TV. I just think AEW should just scrap, you know, the name Ring of Honor and just kind of run untelevised super cards every once in a while with just random matches that, that you don't have to build to on TV. Yeah, people were into the Briscoes and FTR without any television. Basically, I think you could put together interesting matchups and draw the same crowds. I don't think you need to have weekly television. Do you think that this is Tony's, you know, his personal Tony Khan's personal fandom working against them? Because we know he grew up be this huge Ring of Honor fan. It would it be too hard for him to do that? What? Would it be too so hard like for not run Ring of Honor as is and to do the super card situation? Like oh, to not I, make it. I don't own, know. I mean, like, I don't know. Promotion. I just yeah, I, I mean, I just don't know what the end game is. I mean, I think he just wants another hour of television so he gets paid. Mm. But I, I just don't know how beneficial that's gonna be, really, in the long run. I mean, it'll be better. I mean, again, and I mean look, WWE. We've been bitching about it for 10 years. Three hours of Raw is counterproductive, but they're not going to give that third hour back. So I guess who am I? But I don't know. In the long run to me, it's just Rampage is no good. Dark and Dark Elevation, I think, need to be retooled. Um, There's a lot that, quite frankly, I would retool with this promotion (laughs) moving forward. Yeah, they... um... I, I agree. It didn't not feel as big as last year's show. It, you know, they made it. There was a big deal made out of the fact it was a one million dollar gate. They did sell significantly less tickets this year, though, so they must have had elevated ticket prices across the board. Because I believe last year they had around twenty thousand fans mm-hmm. in the stadium. And last I saw, I believe I don't know what the walk it was. Obviously, it just happened. But last I was like twelve to thirteen, wasn't it? Yeah, that's what I saw so. earlier today on uh, one of those accounts that tracks that. Probably Russell ticks. Yeah. I just think I, I just don't want all these extra titles on AEW television. I agree. That's like the it, main it doesn't problem. make them feel special. The other no. titles that you have. And also, aren't we doing battle of the belts in like two fucking weeks? What is the point of that program? They're gonna need a four a- hour there, TV show, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, has there even been one interesting battle of the belts yet? I mean no. 
something that like you go back and think of months later. I can't remember. Yeah, it's it's not been great. It is not they killed, been great. I mean, they killed that concept when they didn't do Paige and Danielson on the first one. They did it yep. on what the Wednesday before, and I get it. You don't want to put a main match on it Saturday night at 9 o'clock or whatever, or 8 o'clock, but if, if it's that shitty of a time slot, then why are you even doing it? Just do a three-hour dynamite quarterly. Yeah. Don't make your audience watch one hour of pointless television on a third night. No, I mean, I, I completely agree with you. It, it undercut the value of it right away when they first started to not yeah. do that match on that one. So, yeah, I mean, I always I always personally kind of forget about the Battle of the Belt shows until like the week they happen. I mean, like just the day before even sometimes like, oh, yeah, yeah that's but, on you. Completely but, but it was it was just funny that tonight it was five title matches and I was thinking to myself, like, what's the selling point for Battle of the Belts? I mean, I know they wanted to make this a big show. To me, all you needed was Mox and Danielson and then the tag team title match. I don't think you needed mm-hmm. to load it up with three other title matches, especially this stupid ROH title. Yeah. I mean, you know, people are going to be, like, upset that Jericho won it. My answer is I give a fuck less. I didn't really care about the belt before. I mean, it felt nice that Claudio, you know, underappreciated his whole career, was a world champion for however long. But, you know, what did that mean? Nothing. (laughs) Nobody's really going to remember it. And to me, Chris Jericho not abiding by the code of honor, which some people watching AW television may not even be aware of. That's mm-hmm. not really an intriguing storyline for me. Yeah. So the finish was a low blow and then the Judas effect um, for the victory. So we had lots yeah. of cheap finishes on this show. Kyle. Dude, how many times does Jericho win with a fucking low blow? I know. I know. Come up with something else. Yeah. I, you know what, man, I, the crowd was happy to see these guys out there. I mean, they were, they were chomping at the bit to go nuts on the show, but I got to tell, I got to tell you, I would have let off with the tag team title match. I would have started with that one. I I mean, that was the most, because you, the the audience had just, they anticipated getting a title change at the tag team title match and Mm -hmm. you changed the title right before it, like a shock title change. That was dumb, whoever came up with that idea. I, Michael Jenkinson, one of our great supporters, a man I love, okay? A, a tremendous individual. I saw him on Twitter say, oh, well, Jericho always likes to be first on the show. Well, you know, there's a lot of things I like, okay? And I don't get them every day. So, you know, <laughs> to me, I thought it was a mistake to have that match gone first. I completely agree. Let me tell you, this guy is constantly texting me. Where's my raise, Ryan? Give me a raise. God damn it. Yeah. I'm going to walk. <laughs> just, no. yeah. Ring of honor title. Ugh. So we got the cheap finish. All right. The next match on the show was the tag team title match. And, you know, when we reviewed all out, I was there. I talked about a couple weeks ago on the show, the live perspective and how when the acclaim didn't win in Chicago, it cause that crowd to turn on the show for a couple of matches. I mean, I can't, I know from everyone I've talked to that watched it, you could tell on TV. I mean, it wasn't that the crowd died because they were burned out. It was, they were angry. And we talked on the show at the time, like, yeah, you know, it'll probably be fine. They'll do the rematch there in the hometown in New York, big crowd. It had a big pop. The match was nowhere near as good as the match in Chicago. And honestly, Watching this, yet again, I said to myself, 
they should have done it in Chicago. <laughs> it like reaffirmed what I thought that night sitting in the building, you know, like it was very predictable. They had a okay match. Um, not even, I mean, I didn't think it was even in the same stratosphere as the match in Chicago crowd got a big pop when they won the title, like you would expect. And even like throughout they were popping for stuff, but it wasn't like the sustained crowd crowd heat that you had it all out. It was like, it didn't reach that fever pitch that we saw that night. Uh, so it, just re- I, it just reaffirmed my belief that like, you got to strike while the iron's hot. Look, the acclaim got the titles super happy for him, tweeted about it. I think they'll be good champions. I just think that waiting it out a couple of weeks was the wrong move. I don't think that's the issue. Uh, I agree with everything you said. The match in Chicago was definitely better. It was hotter. But look, it's about the big picture. And, you know, truth be told, if the acclaimed wasn't that over tonight. They were over tonight. They were they were really over. They were probably the most overact on the show. Mm-hmm. But like if they weren't that over, you know, just a couple weeks later, then it's probably not worth putting the titles on them in the first place. The key is, you know, how over are they three months from now? Not just when they win the titles, but can you build the t- tag division around them? And again, there's too many fucking belts in this promotion, okay? Let's review the AEW tag division in the year of our Lord 2022. This is now the fourth different babyface tag team to hold these titles at the same time that FTR, also a babyface act, has four different sets of tag titles. And the commentators always tell you that FTR is the best tag team in the world. That's stupid, it's counterproductive, and it's a loose end that needs to be tied. If you want to say FTR is the best tag team in the world, and by God, they probably are, then make them your fucking tag team champions. Yeah, and they cut backstage to him right after this match. And yep, just to remind you who's better. Hey, by the way, we've been number one contenders since April. Where's our title shot? And then if you're watching that logically, you're like, yeah, they're they're, they're right. What the hell's going on here? But I love the acclaim, but what the hell's going on with FTR? It, it yeah. just, it makes your, again, a baby face act, whether it was the Lucha Bros at the start of the year, Jurassic Express, uh, uh, Swerve in Our Glory, or now the acclaimed, I think the acclaimed, is the strongest of those acts. So we'll see. Uh, and maybe they will build to a unification match. It's absolutely what they should do. Although two baby face teams, I don't know about that dynamic, mm-hmm. but just, I just, I don't, it's just odd. And it's just too many titles in this promotion, mixed messaging. Who's the best, you know, you know, people are gonna say, Oh, you're being so critical. AEW. What do you like? WWE? No, no, I don't fucking like WWE necessarily okay <laughs> come on but those people have never heard this show <laughs> but at least i will give wwe credit one thing they've done this year that is a major positive is unify their titles at least some of them and mm-hmm. it makes you know who's number one in their division you know we know who the number one person in the wwe is it's very obvious we know who the number one tag team is so you know, and the, I don't think it's good. I hated, I hate the brand split. I've ripped on it, not just in this life, but a previous one. Okay, <laughs> fifteen years ago, and I just feel like it feels like we have brand split tag team champions with FTR and whomever, and it's mm-hmm. I don't like it. But God bless the acclaimed. They're a really strong act. They're really over a homegrown act, if you will. 
and um, you know they were over, and that, that that's what matters. And I hope that um, Tony decides to build around them because they should be one of the centerpiece acts of this promotion moving forward. Your guy Michael Jenkinson is in the chat here, and Michael said, "How would the crowd react if we got FTR versus Acclaimed?" Um, personally, I believe if the match happened right now, I mean, obviously the crowd loves both of them. I think the Acclaimed would be cheered more just because how over mm-hmm. that crowd yeah. is. Or I, I, I go I, with them. I agree. It's just, but I don't know. It just feels like you know FTRs had this all time great year, but they've never been the AW to. It's just it's so messy, man. What are we doing with all these titles? Yeah. Pick your horses and ride them, Tony. Don't just give everyone a belt. Yeah. So, I and, mean, like we said, go sorry, go ahead. Oh, Swerve Strickland, by the way, is very good. I yeah. just want to say oh, that man. for the record. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I mean, this tag team, I didn't think much of them when they first got together. It's like, eh, I don't know about this, but they really grew into it and they're a solid, solid tag team. I really haven't and we know Justin on the show has been very complimentary of them and how much he likes swerving our glory and i gotta give him credit man i mean they made it work really good team i mean they deserve to have the titles longer but you just gotta you gotta go with the hot hand and there's no denying that this is the most over tag team in the promotion right now and one of the most over acts period i mean i said it at all out they got the biggest pop of the night i mean it was they Mm -hmm. came out after the elite they came out after hangman page and their pop blew them away so, I mean, they're super over. You had to go with them here. Um, yeah, the match itself, like, they had the the caster injury deal where he went up for the mic drop and then, like, looked like it confused the crowd. Yeah, because I, think, look, I thought it was a botched spot. I said, oh, my I did God, too. Did, he just, did he just blow his huge moment? Yep. Yeah, I mean, because they didn't really show. Like, they cut the camera, and all of a sudden, you just saw from the side him, like, falling to the mat. So I'm still that not quite odd. sure. We're going on the air right after the show. I haven't had a chance to rewatch that. I'm not, still not quite sure what happened. But then the crowd was kind of out of the match for a while, got really quiet. They didn't know what was going on. I think they were worried that he was legit really injured and that maybe they wouldn't get the title switch now. Um, there was the, the – they, they brought in the boom box – on the ring apron, and they, when that was swung, it like very clearly did not connect. That was didn't look it, so great. It, yeah, there was some sloppy work in this match. There were some spots. They were again. We see this a lot in modern wrestling. Guys have bold ideas, but the execution ain't so bold. Yeah, more well, foreign get, objects too. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they get the titles. Happy for them. It needed to happen. All right, you mentioned too many titles. We get the All Atlantic championship match here with uh pack defending against orange cassidy looking to uh recapture their magic from revolution 2020 also a show i was at uh that was a very good match this was a pretty good one not in the stratosphere of the revolution match but i, no. I thought this was fairly fun i mean i enjoyed well, watching you got the little things in there you know that cassidy does like the deal where uh pat goes up top and cassidy's just like laying there on the mat and you just puts his legs straight up and you watch that spot and you're like yeah why wouldn't people do that all the time clearly you're not going to jump on me with my legs straight in the air you know it's kind of funny um but yeah i mean it was an okay match it wasn't it wasn't great by any means kyle it was it was not revolution no well that match of revolution was one of the 100 greatest matches of all time as we know (laughs) according to that poll yes uh just wanted to point out you know, we did reference the FTR promo that took place between these two matches, the tag team title switch in All Atlantic. I thought the Ass Boys cut a tremendous promo. 
you know, I'll be, I'll I'll call positive when I see it. I thought the ass boys were absolutely tremendous with their FTR business. That was, that was good stuff. They know what they're doing. They know their role. They execute it well. Um, with this match, no, it did not stiff revolution crowd really didn't care. Uh, after getting the big moment with the tag team title match. I read, I think it was Sean Ross Sapp tweeted that Orange Cassidy is now 0-8 in title matches in AEW. And this reflects a booking problem from Tony Khan, and he needs to recognize how to use Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy is a very strong undercard act people say that's not complimentary i disagree with that orange cassidy's a guy who doesn't need a title and shouldn't be wrestling for titles you have so many people in this promotion who could use like who who are just sort of you know they're good workers but they're not going to really get over on their Mm -hmm. own and could really use just being in the ring with Orange Cassidy when Orange Cassidy's doing his shtick and Orange Cassidy can beat those people. I'm thinking of like the Lee Moriarty's of the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. These guys who want to work. Well, okay. They're kind of bland. Put them with Orange Cassidy. We can see what they can do. Cassidy can do his shtick. Cassidy can win. Orange Cassidy shouldn't be in title matches because no, he's, he's going to always him. lose. Yeah. Yes. So, and that's the thing. People want to like him, but if he's always losing big matches, it's going to make people like him less. So it's actually terrible booking yeah. of the character. And it goes beyond like AWT. It's just something you see a lot in modern wrestling where bookers don't understand what the ceiling of a certain performer is and they wind up screwing him up. I don't know. Or Orange Cassidy's a guy who should like win all the time, but against people that like, it's like, all right, well, like whatever. About in that guy. tier. Yeah. yeah. Like that particular tier of the card. Not put him into these title matches where it doesn't make sense for him to win. And so just losing, it just undermines him. Yeah, totally Great. undermines him. I, I completely agree. Uh, it was also another match with uh, uh, interference or yeah. kind of a screw job finish because you had uh pack take Cassidy to the outside and he used the, the hammer that they used for the ring bell to strike Cassidy and basically knocked him out with it and used that to get the victory. Uh, yeah, and th- so that followed, you know, what we talked about in the first match with the low blow. You had the boombox shot and the and the tag team <laughs> shot in quotes and the tag team match. So you, you had, uh, you know, other things going on here, not really clean finishes for three matches in a row. Not every match has to end clean, but you shouldn't have three in a row like yeah. that with, you know, my timeline was pounced on that. I don't know about yours, but mm-hmm, there were quite same. a few people. Uh, calling attention to that so i thought in terms of cheating to win using a foreign object this was done the cleanest but yeah i also sort of cared the least <laughs> with this no, one that's yeah. too bad i mean because yeah i mean this was a rematch of this you know match that people love and no one really seemed to care too much um this backstage promo with uh wheeler Yuta and mjf so the first time we or see they, MJF, or they were out there, they were out in front of the crowd. Oh yeah, the, oh the yeah, that's way. right. He walked out on the ramp. So what did you make of this? Uh, like, do you think MJF continuing to work as a heel is just too much against the sea here? Do you think that they should lean into the fact that he's getting cheered because he's trying really hard to be an asshole and to get booed? And I just, ever since he came back, 
I've seen a lot of discussion on if that should really I, be the case. I did. Well, I mean, I saw Zach Haydorn's tweet. Are you referring mm-hmm. to that? Yeah. Um, yep. I didn't necessarily agree with what Zach said, but I don't know if we want to flash the tweet. If we can even do that, I don't know how technology works. People can just Google the tweet. It got a lot of response. They'll know what it is. But um, the problem with this promo wasn't actually the way necessarily the way MJF was acting or is he a baby face? Is he heel? You know, it was that Wheeler Yuta was just not a strong enough personality on the other side. And he just kind of got eaten up and the crowd didn't like him. And he was supposed to be a baby face. Like he was supposed to be like, yeah, you're soon to be wife is going to leave you just like you left us. Like that was supposed to be a big baby face pop. And it was kind of like a, you know, fart in church, really, you know, the, the, the crowd was like, okay, pal. Yeah. If you say so, we actually like think MJF's cooler. And the bottom line is MJF's and, you know, a main event level guy and Wheeler Yuta, while he's in a group with a lot of main event guys, he's not a main event guy. So, I thought it was just a mistake, actually, not by MJF, but by the booker to put these two together in this segment. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I watch what MJF is doing, and maybe this will answer your question better, it reminds me, it's not as strong, so people, please don't lose your mind, of like 98 Rock, when like Rock, he would do promos and people would cheer him, but he was he was always able to kind of get the crowd against him. Mm-hmm. at the end and part of that was you know who he was working with you know he's working with guys like austin and foley i just think you know wheeler yuda was not a strong enough personality to oppose mjf in this situation yeah yeah uh adam in the chat said why can't mjf just be the cool bad guy i think i mean that's kind of what they're going for i think right now Although I wasn't, I wasn't super keen on how they worked him into the main event, which we will uh, yeah. get to. Well, maybe that was how they were trying to get the heel heat, you know, on him mm-hmm. or whatever. But I don't know. But he got heat when he shoved Tony. I know that, that yeah. that's what got the heat more than anything he was doing with Wheeler Yuta. I did like that, you know, in that situation with Yuta, he went after Brian a little bit more because most of the build of the show has been him going after Moxley, which made the you know, eventual victory may be predictable. You know, I wrote about this a little bit last week. Maybe yeah. they're just trying to throw you off and they'd go to Brian. We'll talk about you know, the decision there here in just a minute. But uh, they did work. They worked in Brian here with the narrative with Yuta and talked about how Brian's brains are scrambled. Maybe he can teach you how to do that or something like that. MJF said. Um, and so I, I thought that that was good to bring in Brian's name a little bit more to get you wondering, all right, which one is, is MJF going to work? And it's not just him going after Moxley all the time. But yeah, I mean, Yuta just doesn't. He, he just can't stand toe-to-toe with MJF. So they sh- honestly should have had Regal in that position. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and MJF had the pot shot on Regal, too. Mm-hmm. So it would have it actually worked. I mean, I don't know yeah. what Regal can do in terms of physicality. You know, because they had W. Morrissey out there, but uh... yes, you know him as Big Cass, Kyle Ross. Yeah, you do know him as Big Cass. What'd you make of this women's match? The Fatal Four Way: Tony Storm, the interim Women's World Champion, with Serena Deeb, with Athena, with Britt Baker. Started eating cereal. 
I kind of <laughs> I thought it was sloppy, and I don't know. I kind of lost interest in it. I didn't buy that there was going to be any title change. Yeah. The last thing I need to see is another multi-person match, whether it's men or women. Too many of those in wrestling these days. Is Athena as good as some people say she is? I, she's kind of goofy. What was this freaking stupid mask she had on? I've heard people saying that she was a disaster when it come to doing pre-tapes. Mm-hmm. Like on the WWE side, and yeah. I don't know. I, I'm kind of seeing that a little bit with her when it comes to promos. She here's the here's the deal. I think she's. I thought tonight in the ring she was a little slower than usual. Um, I thought the match came off very choreographed. It was like I said, the pacing was slow. She was a little off in the match. She's one of those people, like you know, when she came in, which wasn't that long ago. We talked about her as she has name value, adding a little bit more notoriety to the women's division. But we got a debut here that we're going to talk about here in a second. We've had Jamie Hayter rising up the card. And I think she's going to get lost in the shuffle here pretty soon. I don't think that, <laughs> I mean, as of right now, she's not offering, not saying she couldn't, but right now I don't think she's offering anything that's different enough that we're like, she would be towards that upper tier of the division. No. And normally she's a fairly solid worker, but man. You know, they got the former Paige now here. Soraya looking to make her return to the ring. She looked to be in tremendous health. And the crowd, that was a hell of a pop when she came out after this match. Yeah, and again, not to belabor this point, I don't think this division is deep enough to have two champions. I Because no, that means you have no. to have two challengers. And that means you're beating everybody. And they have, you know, and if they've already failed in their attempt to win one of the championships, people just kind of view them as a failure and it's sort of just back to purgatory for you. And that's what we're seeing with a lot of these folks. And there's no real groundswell for any of them because they're not as good as, um, you know, in I'm not necessarily saying in terms of in-ring work, but the crowd just doesn't seem as big as stars as your Britt Bakers, your Jade Cargills of the world. Mm -hmm. So they're just kind of stuck in neutral and my God, like you said, I mean, Athena did not debut that long ago. We were in the building. It was double or nothing, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking barely over one pay-per-view cycle. And I mean, Jesus, it feels like she's ready for the Jake Roberts rule already. Yeah, it does, man. I mean, I agree with you. It's it's We're just laboring on that point, but it's so true. It's just that it kind of shocks me that AEW went this route with having too many titles, you know, because God... We just raged on that for years with WWE and we get this alternative and they didn't have too many at the beginning and then they like keep adding them and then you bring in the Ring of Honor titles and then, you know, they're working with the other promotions and those people are bringing in, get the impact belts on here and, you know, AAA and it's just, it's too much. And then to your point with the women, think, think about like in the early couple of years of AEW, I mean, those women title changes felt big. I mean, like when Britt finally won the belt, it was huge. And like any of the title changes now, they just don't. I mean, maybe when Jade finally we had three it, title changes tonight. Yeah, but like these women, even in any of the upcoming women's yeah. title changes, will not feel that big to me. It doesn't matter because there's two of them. 
And it's just like when you add another one, it takes away from the prestige of the one you already have. And it feels like there's no hierarchy either, right? Like somebody loses in an attempt for one. They might lose in an attempt for another. I think Michael Jenkinson kind of just made that point in the Mm -hmm. chat. Um, Look, AEW, they are relying, and because this I think will be a good segue for you to change the discussion, they rely on too many title matches and too many debuts. Like what's the great week to week storyline in this promotion right now? Can you name me one? What will MJF do next? That's kind of the, uh, I guess (laughs) that's it right now. Well, like, yeah. And here's the thing. They kind of had an intriguing one with the pet, what we thought was a impending split between Brit and Jamie Hayter, but then they reunited tonight seemingly just to set up the page debut and i mean that she's a bad, that pa- page is a good get but like i don't know so we had like the it was almost like you had a stable of former wwe women out there because you had page out there you had tony storm you had athena they were all hugging at the end right mm-hmm. and then you got the actual more homegrown, more or less. I mean, Baker was known before AEW, but the, the non-WWE stars, yeah, like on the outside looking on. It's kind of this weird dynamic because, again, not to keep going after this point, but I said it with the tag teams striking while the iron's hot. And they did with the acclaim just a couple weeks too late, I think, but it won't probably matter in the end. But like this Jamie Hader thing, they have been dragging out forever. Like they were teasing them breaking apart like what over a year ago yeah and you do have to build to the right moment and i think a big issue aew had coming into this year and I, we've talked about this on the podcast is they had a lot of um breakup storylines set coming into the year right mm-hmm. you know punk or not punk uh mjf and wardlow uh christian and jungle boy that took forever <laughs> yeah yep. and you know and then Britt and Jamie, we all thought, and it felt like the crowd was really ready to get behind Jamie Hader. I don't think they wanted to see those two no. reunited. It, it kind of felt like you could hear a groan in the building. Yes. If, if they do this too many times with her, because Jamie Hader is not a name yet. Like, she's not a star. She's been this underling. She's becoming a star. But she's been this underling here with Britt for a long time now, and the crowd is really ready to go with her. Like, at All Out, they wanted to see her win the title more than anyone else in that match, mm-hmm. more than Tony Storm. And so, like, man, you can't keep pulling out the rug from these people when people are ready to get behind them. And, like, if the whole reason for doing it was just to set up Soraya, Paige, and her, I mean, that is, that's bad, man. That is real short-sighted booking. And I, I was, this was one of the things on the show, maybe the thing on the show I was most disappointed about, to be honest with you, was that, they went, they already turned her back with Britt Baker when the crowd is so with yeah. Jamie Hayter right and, now. Like, they, they have a star in the making with her. Totally. Yeah, and they, and they need more stars in that division, as we talked yeah. about, because all these WWE uh, refugees are kind of just, you know, petering out. Uh, as soon as they did that, I figured uh, Soraya was debuting. Uh, the repack report. That's of course my version of the Finkel report uh, had clued me in. He, that, that was very heavy on the, Oh, page is showing up tonight. So when I saw that, I said, all right, well, we're getting the debut, but 
I think it was kind of odd just to do that to sacrifice, you know, sacrifice a storyline you've been building just so you could have even teams for a debut with no physicality, by the way. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think they even had to do that to have her debut, to be honest with you, (laughs) other than the numbers game. So that's unfortunate. Um, Got a big pop, though. Yeah, she did. I mean, crowd was legit surprised and happy to see Soraya, and it was an awesome pop. Yeah. Chad was very disappointed. He he said there's not a lot of repack report re- uh, readers in uh, <laughs> Queens tonight. He was he was. We're gonna have to pass. We're gonna have to pass that thing around, man. A well, repack bit. changes his Twitter name all the time, doesn't he? Isn't that his gimmick? Nobody knows who to follow to get the repack report these days. Yeah, it gets mailed to your home. It's the old way. He doesn't even post it online. That's the thing. It, it, it's, the- it's got it's got to be mailed to you. That's the, that's was- the key. This was the deal when uh, we were doing the playback shows, which maybe we'll do another one again sometime, but he would always come up with a different username. We're like, is that Chad? Is that him? He's a very strange bird. A very strange bird. Yes. He is an enigma. But uh, yeah, other than the acclaimed, I don't think anyone got a bigger pop tonight than Paige. Oh, no. Soraya, pardon me. Let's get the names right. All right. Main event time. Moxley, Danielson. You know, I mean, this has been out of their control, but I mean... Just the title bouncing around has been unfortunate this year. Now, if we would have had the summer of punk and then, you know, the fight didn't happen, he didn't get injured twice and he held it all the way through the fall, we'd probably be talking a totally different situation with the world title here. So it's been out of their hands. Um, But, you know, I got to say, Kyle, I I was disappointed Brian Danielson didn't win it here. I love John Moxley. I've been very high on him on the show. I just, man, I don't know. I, I feel like with Moxley winning it, they're going to go pretty quick to MJF now. And I wanted to see someone have the title a little bit longer, given what's happened over the last few months. I thought, I, you know, we talked about this in the Facebook group. I wrote about it, but I thought maybe they go with Brian. They have MJF and Moxley work a program, not for the title, you know, just because MJF's been going after him. So a real grudge feud here. And then eventually they get to Brian. Now, there, of course, there's risks with that because Brian's had his injury issues this year and, of course, in his career. So you don't want another interim yeah. situation where he has to vacate. So there was going to be risk with that. So I totally get that. But I felt like the crowd kind of wanted to see Brian win, too. You know, I, I thought when he kicked out of the Death Rider, I was like, oh, man, he's going to win it. But then when he got the the second one on the stage, I'm like, man, I don't know. And then he eventually gets choked out with the sleeper or whatever, and that's the finish. And as they were going off the air, they teased some heat there. Like they kind of cut away as Brian was he shoved Regal, right? Yeah, but I guess background. he just I guess he just put the title on him. I read somebody on Twitter, he put it around Moxie's waist and all was good. Oh, so they didn't show it on TV. So yeah. So, that was a yeah, weird way to go off the air. Yeah, and you know, I, I see Michael Jenkinson complaining about it in the chat. That finish was straight out of the Roman Reigns anticlimactic playbook. Yeah, right? It came like out of nowhere. It, like yeah. Reigns, but, but, but how many times did we talk about that, you know, maybe earlier in Roman's run where he would do the choke out finish, but it just, there was no drama to it. It just kind of happened. It's like, oh, okay, yep. I guess he choked him out. <laughs> yeah. Another win for the big dog. <laughs> okay. But yeah. like, you know, the, that's kind of what this felt like here. It just, I was like, all right, I guess that's it. And, you know, I see a lot of people in the chat uh, echoing Ryan Gorman's sentiments here. I just don't, uh, he says, I just don't get not going with Danielson. 
I was not that into this match emotionally because of something you kind of alluded to, Ryan, moments ago. I just figured this belt's going to MJF. Yeah. So why do I care about this match? It just feels like, all right, yeah, somebody's going to get it and hold it for a couple months, weeks, whatever, and lose it to MJF. So, okay, I, that's, I think, and the crowd reaction in the building almost seemed to kind of echo that, too. I don't think it was just me being Debbie Downer, mm-hmm. you know? No, that's the total problem. I mean, it's, in a different way, it's the same kind of emotion that we had all summer, right? A placeholder champion. Not to, like, belittle Moxley, who was great. Yeah, he's a having champion. a great year. He deserves better than that. That's the thing. I agree. He deserves better. And so it was unfortunate that they had to do that because of Punk's first injury. You know, then he loses to him. Then he got the brawl. Punk got injured again anyway. So even without the brawl, he was going to have to forfeit the title yet again. And, you know, so we had a placeholder situation. I've said on the show many times, not a huge fan of the interim tag, you know, not tag team, but the, you know, asterisk with the champion. Mm-hmm. And it feels like unofficially it's another placeholder champion because you're right. Like the show feels built to MJF. I mean, for God's sakes, that's how they filmed the match. So they got him sitting up there in a box with a spotlight on him the whole time. And they continue, like they, they cut to him way too many times during that match. I thought, and it took away from the match because like every time something dramatic was happening in the match, you got MJF's, you know, overacting (laughs) the facials that he was responding Mm -hmm. to. And to me, it, it just took me out of the match entirely. And I never really got into it that much, that much, which sucks because you're talking about two in the be- two of the best in the world right now, two of my favorite people to watch living legend with Brian Danielson to my point again about being disappointed. He didn't win the title because man, we never know. Like, you know, his career ended before we never thought we'd see this guy wrestle again. And you don't never know how many more matches this guy has, um, how long his career is going to be. Again, you don't want an injured champion again. You got to weigh the the benefits, you know, negatives and positives. But to me, it would have been it would have been nice to see him capture the title because I don't know how someone said this in the chat a little bit ago. I don't know how they get back to him being the world champion. Now, it feels like every time he's had a big match in this promotion, he's lost. He's lost way too many times, period. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, okay, he's gotten the wins back. They That was part of the storyline going into tonight, but he's just lost too many times. Two things. There were too many things on this show. Um, and I think, you know, too many title matches. And it made your biggest thing just not huge. One thing WWE does well, whether you like the big thing or not, is whatever they want the big thing to be is they really hit you over the head with it. And they make sure you know it's the most important match or thing on the card. And they did have a video package early for this step in the right direction, but there should be more. There should be pre-match interviews. You know, hey, this is your your last chance to hear from this person before they go to the ring. What are you thinking? You know, mm-hmm. as we're about to do that. That's what I want to see. You, you can cut out these match. Like, it, it doesn't, I, I know that some people just disagree with me, but there doesn't have to be, just be wrestling, 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 wrestling the whole two hours. Mm-hmm. Let the show breathe. Hype stuff up especially whatever the most important thing is don't just make it five or six unconnected segments so i think that was the pro that hurt the match 
Um, now, as far as Danielson goes, lots of people talking about him here in our chat. This is, to me, the play that they should have done with Danielson going back months ago. He should have beaten Sammy Guevara for that TNT title, spared us the completely worthless Scorpio Sky run. And Danielson, for what they do with that TNT title, where it's like a more prominent version of the old WCW TV title, he mm. would have been so perfect. And I, this isn't just something I thought about a thin air. Meltzer talked about this a long time ago, too. And when I heard him say it, I was like totally spot on, Dave. It wouldn't matter necessarily if he was a baby facer. He could just have matches with people and, you know, guys would look great and defeat. You know, you would, you would get guaranteed good title matches every week. He could work with, you know, make your young guys look good. It could be a marquee match for rampage. If you need to, um, that to me is a spot that he should have been put in many, many months ago. I'm talking like six months ago. He should have just beaten Guevara and had a dominant TNT title run. That's what I would have done with him. Now you talk about how WWE, they hit you over the head with it, but they make, they always succeed to me in making stuff feel big on the pay-per-views with the video package. Bigger than it should. Yes. Yes, for sure. Because usually now, it's not very good with their hyping. And we know, and we know about like the back and forth with AEW and WWE, and like the, the offhanded comments they make, or in AEW's case, the comments they make about WWE on air. And there's a lot of talk about that, and sometimes people complain. And I have no problem with that. That's what I want to see out of my wrestling. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you know, when AEW started, it was all this talk about, look, we we actually say wrestling, right? We're not sports entertainment. I mean, for God's sakes, you're doing an angle with Jericho right yeah, now about the sports entertainers, right? Yeah, but watching this main event, Kyle, I got to say, did this not feel like sports entertainment? Because again, the way that they shot MJF yes. constantly throughout the match was total WWE. It, it just, it took the focus off the performers in the ring. To me, like almost not entirely, but pretty damn close because the story was MJF. And again, that's the story coming out of this. What's MJF going to do? When's he going to you know, get his title match? When's he going to cash in, for lack of a better word? And it wasn't really the fact that, okay, Moxley's the champion again. He was just a champion all summer. All right, moving on. At least with Brian, it would have been something different. And to me, it just didn't feel like too much change on that main event scene coming out. And I just felt like I watched the WWE main event without the pomp and circumstance, I guess you could say. No, I would agree with that. This totally was something they would have done in, you know, the attitude era where they would just show Austin or rock or something. And, and those guys are bigger stars and I'll do respect to MJF. I love MJF, but he's, he ain't there yet. Uh, might not ever get there, but probably won't quite frankly. <laughs> I'm uh, talking about two of the three biggest names in the history of this business. Yeah, yeah. But it, it just, yeah, it, it fell flat, I thought. And honestly, I don't think anything on this card was as good as it could have been, if you're being honest. And this is my main point here. And, and maybe we, this is our last discussion of the day. I don't know unless there's something else on the show specifically you wanted to bring up. I'm seeing a lot of this on Twitter. I like AEW. 
but and those butts are getting a little bigger mm-hmm. in my opinion i'm sure that makes sir mix a lot happy but <laughs> you know man i mean it, it those butts you you look at what comes after but and it's like yeah it's a good point and it's a valid criticism and i think fair is fair if it was wwe there wouldn't be well i still love this but it would just be go straight to the shitting on it part. And for the record, I mean, Raw, uh, you know, our good friend Frank Pettiani, uh, you know, I heard he was on with Wade. Uh, you know, they were ripping on the poor finishes Monday night. Brian Alvarez had a pretty funny deal, too, uh, on that over at uh, F4W Online. But, you know, no one's like, oh, well, I really liked this show, but it was just like, no, these finishes were crummy. And I just, I kind of thought all the finishes tonight were crummy. Yeah. I didn't I see disagree. one. I, I didn't see a damn good finish on this show. And there's no match really that I would ever go back and revisit. No, I mean, I was thinking about that too, because I had, I had really high hopes for that main event. I mean, these two had a freaking awesome match at Revolution earlier this year. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Dave gave it close to five stars. It well, was, I mean, I know he overrates stuff these days, but like, I mean, it was a four plus star match. You know, I'd have a four, four and quarter probably if I remember right, but it was a really good match. And this one was like, oh man, I don't know, three. <laughs> it was not nothing was I would match. ever go back and watch. I mean, yeah. it was, it was a decent match, but like, again, yeah, you're right. The women's match, I didn't think was great. The tag match was not as good as what we saw a couple of weeks ago. Um, ROH match was fine. Yeah, there's definitely nothing I'd go back and watch on this show. And and again, I just don't know what are the week-to-week storylines that I'm supposed to be caring about right now with this promotion. I just don't know where they are. It's just like, oh, here's two guys that you like competing for this title. They got to get back to that. Yeah, they, they've had stories. Um, they used to do a lot better job building up every edition of TV, like getting mm-hmm. you to want to tune in in advance. And I mean, they sometimes they an- announce matches, but they're just like out of nowhere and they don't make a lot of sense. And so the, yeah, getting back to making me want to tune in every week because uh, I haven't really felt I mean, I watch it all because I need to for the pod and writing and stuff. But like I haven't felt that big draw to watch recently. And I know you no. feel the same way. Oh, no, I, I, I'll i be very blunt with you. We, I knew we weren't going to be reviewing the last two weeks of Dynamite. I, I barely caught any of it, to be honest with you. I, I texted you, and I think you were in shock two weeks ago when they just announced it was going to be a tournament. I said, mm-hmm. fuck it, I'll just catch the rest of the show some other time. Yeah, no more tournaments. No more tournaments. Oh, man. All right. So I don't think I ever gave my grade. I was kind of like C plus B minus maybe. I don't know. Right in there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was hoping it'd be an A. I mean, I loved Grand Slam last year. Uh, Okay. Here's one positive compared to last year. They shot the building way better. Tonight. I, I thought they made sure to show on television, hey, there's a lot of people in this building. Which is something they don't do enough of. Yeah. I agree. I agree. With that. I, uh, is that Adam, by the way? EC Pratt. That's it. Yep. That, that's mm-hmm. Adam Paul, right? I wouldn't yep. last ten minutes in that career. I, <laughs> it, 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 neither of the two big promotions would would la- for more than ten minutes. 
He did. He asked the question for those listening on the pod. Yeah, go ahead. If you were called tomorrow by Tony to come in and become a booker, would you take the job? Would I take it? Yes. Would I last long? Probably not. Chad will get a big (laughs) laugh. He always laughs. Chad used to always laugh. He's like, I just always laugh. He he would say, I can imagine you jumping over the table like at Bruce Pritchard or something when he shoots down an idea in WWE. You're saying you would have a run much like uh, Eric Bischoff in his last WWE run. Well, I would know who the man was, at least, unlike Eric. And I would never, <laughs> never leave an hour early on Friday to get my hair cut. <laughs> yes. Now that is how you end a podcast right there. <laughs> Hold on. Actually, no. So I don't need the repack report, although I, I do heavily rely on it. But I saw someone tweet this. Uh, I think it was Jeff Hamlin who used to do, who used to do recaps at uh, F4W Online. Eric Bischoff on fucking 83 weeks defended the fall brawl 97 finish. That was when they killed the horseman when Hennig turned and joined the NWO. And it Mm -hmm. wasn't a terrible finish. uh, To be honest, the horseman just never got revenge, which was the problem. But listen to how he defended this. He claimed, Oh yeah, we didn't kill the Carolinas that night. Carol, the Carolinas were never a strong territory for WCW. No, he said that. Yes. <laughs> Imagine ever listening to that podcast again. I mean, this guy knows a goddamn thing about professional wrestling. Well, no, it, it's not that he doesn't know. It's that he's, you know, he's in the Bad Faith oh. Actors Guild. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I well, mean, to, he has a poor memory, that, though, Kyle. He has a very poor memory. To my, yeah. to what I was saying, or what I meant to. I'm, I was trying to imply that he doesn't remember anything. Like they ask him about stories sometimes, and he's like, "I don't, I don't really remember specifics." But yeah, but the then, but, but then I when he wants to this podcast, but then when he wants to push a narrative, all of a sudden he remembers everything. Yeah, yeah. Quote remembers everything. I've actually thought about that, Michael Jenkinson coming up with a sort of uh, alternate fantasy booking of the last year of AEW because I'll be honest with you. I would have probably done a lot of things different over the last 12 months than what Tony Khan did. And it's, you know, it's easy to sit in this chair and do it because, okay, you've got the benefit of hindsight and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But I think also I don't have the benefit of being in the room and knowing what Tony wants to do and whatnot. I just, I I think there were, I I don't know. I, I think, when we're in a position like we are with AEW, you have to go back and ask questions about the booking. And I, and I don't think this has been nearly as well booked the year as 2021 was. Yeah. From the world title helped. situation. Yes, he does. He's completely overworked. Yep. So, um, you know, I mean, fuck it. I'll, I'll stay up all night, you know, tooting the Bolivian nose powder coming up with TV. I don't care, Tony. <laughs> Just just leave some on the desk, pal. I'll have the show ready for you in the morning. <laughs> uh, Ryan in the chat, how many people are actively booking these shows weekly? Is it just Tony? I mean, people have input, but in the end, it's pretty much, to my understanding, it's him. I mean, uh, we know that the EVPs are involved when they're there. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's Tony laying out the direction for the company, and he needs to bring in some people to help him with experience. I just think for new ideas, dude, I'm old enough to remember, you know, three years as a booker was a pretty tough run. 
or, or a pretty like if you could make it that long, that's pretty impressive. I mean, other than yeah. Vince McMahon, who has had his ebbs and flows, and the key with Vince, you know, particularly the eighties, is they they came up with the big matches and they knew where they wanted to go, kind of like with where they are now with Roman and Rock, right? Yeah. Where they've got that in their back pocket. But they knew what the big matches would be, and they would just do as little else as they needed to down the card, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, just, you know, DQs on the house shows and whatnot. So they weren't booking weekly television, but like, you know, three years, it, it's hard to book weekly television, especially when you got two shows that Rampage has adversely affected the weekly television. Make no mistake about it in this promotion. Yeah. I would want to do all that by myself. <laughs> I definitely, I don't envy him trying to do that. I mean, I he he needs to bring in people. He definitely does, man. I wouldn't wish that on anyone to have all that responsibility that he's and you know i think to your point the three years yeah i mean the overworking is showing showing itself right now i mean they still have good shows but we need that better long-term direction but it's you to tune in week to week yeah but it's just I, i i'm just emotionally not as into it as i was even Same. six months ago, certainly 12 months ago. Yes, thank you for your kind words there, Aaron Graham, about 92 Squared Circle Gazette. That was a quite the chore that we have that we embarked on, Liam and I, covering Titan Gate and WrestleMania 8 there. Somehow we did a sub-four-hour podcast on that. I'm about a quarter of the way through that one. I just started, but so far, so good. Yeah, guys, check out Squared Circle Gazette. Uh, the, late, the second edition of 92 just dropped with them looking at March 92. And also, we will have a Top Rope Nation Extra coming. Uh, speaking of the World Wrestling Federation, I just recorded this, got it in the can. That's a industry term. Uh, last night with Kyle Ryan, a uh, mm-hmm. longtime supporter of this program. He, I, I joked with him on air and said, hey, you watch this slop on a weekly basis, so I need someone <laughs> like that. And we took a look at the WWE uh, roster, men and women, kind of put them into tears and speculated where they might be moving uh, between now and WrestleMania. Obviously, we think we know the main event, but where where was that leave Cody? Todd Martin of The Torch, shout out Frank Pettiani, shout out Zach Hador. Uh, he had an idea on the fix. We kind of went uh, over that. It was an interesting idea um, that Todd had on his show. It was one that I actually did wound up disagreeing with, but it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, so that Top Rope Nation Extra will drop for patrons exclusively later this week. I didn't want to throw too many shows at our patrons at the same time because this one's going to be dropping on the main feed too. Hey. That'll go out on the Patreon feed. I didn't want to have two shows drop the same day. So it's in the can, as Kyle said. I'll release right. that here in a couple of days. That will be out. I'll probably put a teaser on our main feed. So those of you that aren't patrons, you'll hear a little bit of it. You want to hear the whole thing, sign up for Patreon. And uh, next, I think next week, we're recording the next Top Rope Nation Classics, which, according to the poll that I last I look, it's going to be ECW Anarchy Rules '99, our first ECW proper show on Top Rope Nation Classics, yes. which is our monthly bonus show on Patreon. Yes, and of course, you know, hey, you know, we're complaining about too many titles tonight. We don't want too many podcasts, so uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go at one time. So yeah. Uh, That'll be good. But yeah, EC, that, that's going to be an interesting one. I, this is the first Top Rope Nation Classics that we've done this year where I cannot claim to have a complete mastery of the event beforehand. 
Like I think all eight that we've done this year, I didn't even need to rewatch. I mm-hmm. I, cho- I did anyway, but um, just have it fresh in my mind. But this is the only. I think I've only watched the show once. The other ones I've probably I've probably watched them all double digit times. Maybe not Shy Town Rumble '89, but uh, certainly Flair Steamboat. Yeah. I'd watched. Yeah, I'm not as familiar with this one either, so it'll be an interesting rewatch for sure. And yes, Michael Jenkins is, Jenkinson is right. We are one away from the weasel. One patron away. A single patron away from our goal. Of Who do you know, supporters? Yeah, get one more person to sign up, and I will be releasing for patrons my 2002 interview with Bobby the Brain Heenan. I have it on a cassette tape. I'll be digitizing it and putting it out exclusively for Patreon. Patreon once once we hit 40 patrons. Real close, guys. You just need one more. Link in the podcast description. All right, Kyle. I think that about does it. It's Wednesday night. It's getting late. We both got to work tomorrow at the shoot jobs. So Mm -hmm. we thank everyone for tuning in and joining us live and participating in the chat. Always fun to talk with all of you. Also talking with you on a daily basis over in the Facebook group, Top Rope Nation Pro Wrestling Discussion. Join the group. Kyle, your WrestleMania 2 shirt you're wearing. Where'd you get that, by the way? I don't think I've ever seen that one. You're just showing it on the camera. I'll tell you what, my wife, I'll tell you, she'll just start shopping for anything. She's like, you know, you don't have many wrestling t-shirts. I'm like, I don't really want a ton of them, to be honest with you. And she was like, kind of hammered on the porch and started buying them. Nice. You used to just be trickling those out on the podcast and future on the phone. Months. I was like, you don't have to do this. I'm like, stop. But no. <laughs> She's like, is this cool? I'm like, I guess. And she just bought it. Nice. I like that. Props, Cammy. Nice Every- job. A drunk woman and an Amazon account. <laughs> I joke with the Amazon guy. I'm like, man, you want to like, you know, have a bed in the garage or something, man? You're here every freaking day. <laughs> I hear you, man. I got to take back, you know, the cardboard of the recycling center almost every other day with all these Amazon boxes coming. Mm. All right, everybody. This has been fun, but uh, I need to get some rest. I got to get this mixed. Yes. Put it out on the podcast feed. So, For Kyle Ross, I am Ryan Drosty. Justin Joint, he's out there somewhere. He'll be back real soon. God, and we'll talk to all. And we'll talk to all of you soon. Yes, take care. 